Remembering. It's good to remember, isn't it? It's good to have some good memories to remember. <laughs> One memory that I won't forget is being in the garden at Gethsemane, going to the place of the skull and going over to where they believe the tomb was. And at the Lord's table, I just remember. <laughs> I mean, that's just a place that happened, but the person is very important to whom it happened for our benefit. And this morning as we look at this sermon and some of the hymns were sung as remembering by the fireside, I think it was the last verse in one of the, the second hymn we sung there, and remembering just with this, my brothers and sisters, the six of us, and mum and dad, being around the fire, we were on a farm, literal fire, <laughs> real logs, real chimney, smoke in the house, you know how it all happens when a downdraft came. <laughs> and remembering those times of innocence as a child. And today is Father's Day, and to remember our fathers. In Psalm 23, in John 10, and John 21, First and first and right through to third John, we find in these verses talk about sheep. <laughs> we in those verses it talks about the shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm twenty three is one is is that particular psalm that we sing <laughs> as put to music. We read how he God has given his son as our shepherd and that we as fathers if we're fathers or leaders in any way are to shepherd as he shepherds and I think we cannot get a better example of being a good and true and faithful shepherd than we can get of God the father and his son Jesus Christ who shepherds us through life and so as we look at these thoughts this morning we look to God for an example to be a good and godly father he is the best example really <laughs> how he instructed his children how he's given us his word and so we take a broad look at God's word and consider how God through Christ shepherds fathers and how fathers fathers in turn ought to shepherd their family and I've called them I think in the bulletin there in the outline under shepherds remember if we offend one of these little ones that tells us in Matthew 18 6 it would would be better that a millstone were hung about our neck and we were drowned in the depths of the sea we ought not as fathers to offend little ones we ought to learn how God shepherds the perfect example let's pray thank you Lord for the wonderful word of God and the wonderful example of yourself in the scriptures that we have today may you bless the thoughts and may we make adjustments in our lives if need be where we find that we have not been shepherding as we ought to have Lord bless the word to us and be with those that uh, can't be with us maybe those that are listening in on the web page 
or podcasts and minister to their spiritual needs and uplift them. And as has been prayed for those that cannot be with us for sickness, illness or age, minister to them in the way you can by the Holy Spirit through the word of God for the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. We're not going to cover all the points I never intended to and I didn't put all the points in the sermon in the outline there in the bulletin because I knew we wouldn't be covering them. But here, first of all, we have a father will love his family. A father will love his family as God loves us. Go to the reading we had this morning in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 to 19, we find some words there. You might say, well, it doesn't talk about fathers and families, but it does. The word family is used in verse 15, the whole family. The word father is used in in verse 14, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the word love is used in 17 and 19 of Ephesians chapter 3. So you have these mentions here. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus. And we ought all to do that, shouldn't we? Bow our knees unto the Father. We ought to bow in reverence before him. Not even the angels are fit to bow before. They said, I am a servant, stand up. (laughs) Wasn't it to Daniel they said that? But we can bow to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do not bow to men. The scriptures tell us not to. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Here we have the family. So it's mentioned here. The family of God in heaven and earth is named. The Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned in the verse before that he would grant you to, according to his riches in glory, be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in what is it? Love. The greatest of these is love, said the Lord Jesus Christ. Grounded in love. A father will love his family. I don't understand fathers that don't love their children. I just don't get it. <laughs> I see it everywhere, but I just don't get how a father cannot love. You see, God has set the example. God loves us. (laughs) And we see how that love is expressed back in the Gospel of John. And we shared this at Sister Tridel's funeral a little there, John 3.16. In fact, we all quoted it on that day. For God so loved the world. This is the father loving the world. He loved the unlovely. He loved us when we were in our sin. And he loved us to salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's what he's willing to, the lengths he was willing to go to, that he might bring us to himself and draw us to himself. For God so loved the world. Fathers, are we willing to go that far for our children? (laughs) We're willing to stand and take the bullet for our children. We ought to love as God loved. That's a sacrificial love, is it not? That's spoken about. We mentioned it in the Lord's table this morning. God so loved. If you go to chapter 10 of the Gospel of John, and here it is talking about the shepherd, the Lord Jesus. That great shepherd. And verse 11. 
Now, reading all the context there, but verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. If he loves us, it shows through his giving his life. A good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now, I don't know if you've looked after sheep. There's a few, few people here that do it all, all day, every day, don't you? <laughs> Look after sheep. But would you give your life for that sheep? Probably not. I'll see if you know. <laughs> but we're talking about people here. These are, these, are, these are beings with eternal souls that God is concerned for. God doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all would come to repentance. And he's given his life for the sheep. This is how this love of God is expressed. How do we express our love to our children and to our grandchildren and great-grandchildren if we should live so long? By giving ourselves to minister to their needs. In chapter 10 and verse 14 of John, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and, 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 have, and am known of mine. And down in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I, what? Know them. A good shepherd, a good under-shepherd, a good father knows his sheep. <laughs> he knows his children. In disciplining his children, he knows if he speaks to that one, they will respond. But if he speaks to this one, it might not respond, it needs a heavier hand. <laughs> and you know the sheep. You know what makes them tick. You know their personalities. You see, an under-shepherd fathers know their sheep. And shepherds, under-shepherds, as far as pastors are concerned, should endeavour to know the sheep, know their needs, and be sensitive to that. And thank God that he makes us aware as fathers of the needs of our little ones. Don't say, well, number three, stand forth. <laughs> no, know them. They're individuals, they're personalities. And God knows us, folks. He knows us inside out. And these verses tell us that he, he knows us. <laughs> verse 14 and verse 27, this, un, this shepherd, the Lord Jesus, knows the sheep. Verse 18, well, verse 15, first of all, as the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, <clears throat> and I lay down my life for the sheep. So this love is expressed in God so loved the world, he gave his son, he giveth his life for the sheep, he knows the sheep, and he lays down his life for the sheep. This is what the Lord Jesus has done for us. He lays down his life for the sheep. David, the shepherd, what, what did he do? for the literal sheep that he shepherded. This is why he was such a good leader of Israel <laughs> and a man after God's own heart because he learned to shepherd by God's standard. What does it say that he did when he faced the enemies of the sheep? He took a, he took a line by the beard and slew it. Now, what one of us would do that for sheep? Chris? <laughs> no? <laughs> You don't go grabbing a lion by the beard and a bear. He laid down his life. He was willing to do that for the sheep. 
Are you willing to do that for your children, your grandchildren? Lay down your life, spend and be spent, in other scriptures it reads, for those in your family. If fathers would take up this great responsibility and privilege, what a different world we would have. There wouldn't be on the news tomorrow any murders. There wouldn't be any fathers leaving their families. There wouldn't be the need of police if fathers just took up the responsibility in our society. You know, the failure of our country, the moral degradation it's slipping into is not because of the government. You know, we all cry out, oh, why doesn't the government do something? And all they do is throw money at it and it just seems to dissipate and get wasted. The problem lies in the church where fathers have not been taught their responsibility to shepherd their children. The, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world and governs where the world is morally. I say we have a great responsibility, a great privilege. Yeah, These little ones that are born into the families that we have they're, they're a precious gift. And they're going to end life one day. You know, better, it says in Scripture, is the day of one's death than the day of one's birth. And I've, I've said it before. But why would God say that? Why would he say it's better in the day of one's death than the day of one's birth? It's because, you know, it's all said and done. The life has been lived. The record is recorded. We all rejoice when a baby's born, and yes, we do. We get happy, grandchildren, children. We send cards and gifts. But we get all sorrowful when one dies. If one dies as a faithful servant of the Lord, we can greatly rejoice. Didn't we this week? We did, because run the race, set the course, finish the course. But with a little one, they've got a whole of life to face. All of the temptations. These souls that are given to us to shepherd <clears throat> are of eternal value. There's nothing in this world or this universe <clears throat> that can be taken to heaven but the little ones. That's why the Lord Jesus, when the disciples said, chase them off, get rid of those children. No. Come and sit on my lap. He saw that these were important. And I think, folk, if we saw the importance of our children, we would spend more time there. I'm jumping ahead into the other points here, but we'll finish early and not go through those points. We'll get them another day. But if we saw the importance, the eternal importance of these little ones, we would approach it differently. We would spend more time. We would not do the overtime. We might come back to them and, and minister. We would sit and listen to them when they speak and not speak over them. Listen to what they have. Listen to their needs. Know them. How can you know them if you don't and know who they are, what they are and how they tick unless we listen? Spend the time there. He lays down his life for us some... <clears throat> 1 John 3.16, this is in 1 John 3.16, back at the back, the epistle, epistles of John, chapter 3 and verse 16. We read this, By this perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
we can get it as human beings because we are made in the image of God. We, we can think, we can reason, we have emotions. We're made in the image of God and we can think through this. God has given us his son. This By this we understand that God loves us. By this little ones in our families, our children and our grandchildren understand that we love them because we spend that time. We lay down our life. We're willing to give. And that sacrificially to those to meet their need. That they might say, this is what a father is. And when they come to the to think about the heavenly father, dad's right there. Here's the father. There's the example I follow. Our young people today need to see godly examples of fatherhood. Chapter 4 of 1 John and verse 9. We read there, in this was manifest the love of God toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son that into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to, to be the propitiation for our sins. So a father will love his family as God loved his family, of whom the whole family of earth in earth and heaven is named. Oh, how different so many fathers are today than they should be. I pray that we have natural affection and godly affection for our children. God never stops loving his children and giving. You think of the prodigal son and the father. That We could speak on that just on Father's Day, couldn't we? A father's love for the prodigal. We do have in the church families that are praying for their children. The prodigal children. The children have walked away from the Lord and his word. Keep praying for them. And you know, many of us got saved later in our life. Many of us got saved after we've raised our children or in the middle of raising children. And, and then we didn't have that opportunity to speak to them early in life. And I know that happens. But we can pray, can't we? Is God, is God concerned for those that have gone astray? Is God concerned for those children that aren't in church today that could be and should be? Of course he is. And you as fathers and grandfathers are concerned for them. They're headed to eternal destruction in hell if they don't repent. And how, uh, how grievous that would be. Fathers will secondly not only love their family but illuminate and enlighten their family. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. And, and, and fathers, are we illuminating our children? God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds. God has illuminated, has he not? And he's, he's done it by every means possible. He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He gave them his word. He brought prophets and priests and preachers and ministers. And Nehemiah's and Jeremiah's and Isaiah's and, and you know, uh, Hosea. How does it? The minor prophets. You can Hosea, Amos, Joel. Keep going. <laughs> Oh, oh, he gave them on. Uh, have you ever read them? <laughs> He's given them to illuminate us with the wonderful light from heaven, <laughs> the truth of God for us. God has not just 
made it all and wound it up and set it aside and said, I'll bother with that later. No, he bothers with us all the time. He, wants, he interferes with the affairs of men. And as, if you were here last Sunday night, he's going to, he's going to interfere big time soon <laughs> in the affairs of men. He's not going to let this world go on in his prodigal stance against him in teaching that he doesn't exist. He's going to wake this world that he is in control. <laughs> it's interesting when Mr. Turnbull was pulled out, it rained. <laughs> I know I don't necessarily put those, said there was the day that that happened. That, well, he didn't put out, he left. But you can't make decisions morally in a country. He, the church again has failed in that area, hasn't it? It's failed to teach the truth of God's word. You don't have same-sex marriages and, and get all happy in, in Parliament when it's passed. I've never seen Parliament so happy and so hugging each other when that happened. And what was God doing? Was he hugging? No. Not, not, the scripture that Brother Pastor McConnell read this morning, he was upset with Sodom and Gomorrah and all that happened there. He is angry with that. And he destroyed a whole... Whole cities in that valley there, the Jordan Valley and around the Salt Lake, because of the sin of their people. Our Father expresses Himself and He illuminates and tells us we ought to know these things from the Old Testament. That's why it's important to read the Bible, that you know what God thinks of certain issues. You know, I know He hates lying, because look what He did to Ananias and Sapphira. You say, well, it's a bit over the top there, Lord. No, that's what he thinks. He's left us an illumination there. You, you read about David and his life and how God you know, blessed him when he's walking and how the troubles come when he walked away from God. That illuminates us, doesn't it? That shows us the pathway of life. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. <clears throat> God is shining the light in a dark place. As it says in Luke 2, verse 25 and down to 32, Simeon took up the Lord Jesus when he was taken to the temple there in his arms. He said, Now I have seen thy salvation, a light to the Gentiles. God has given every means possible for us to be lighted. Have we taken the light? Do we read the scripture? Do we memorize it? Are we, is the word of God important to us? It's been mentioned already this morning. It should be. What about us doing that for our children? What have we done to lighten our children's life? To let that light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus shine in unto them. Have we spoken to them one-on-one -on -one personally? Jesus said... <coughs> If therefore the light that is in, in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And that is so true of so many fathers in our country. How great is the darkness in the lives of many fathers? They'll think that they're doing well by taking to the, them to a sports activity today. They should, have, they should have them in Sunday school. They should have them in a place where the light is being shown where teachers have, have studied and, and got these things together, but we see today that they're everywhere else but where they should be. And the fathers have the responsibility. And one day in, on the judgment day, what did you do with your children? What did you do with those souls that I gave you that are eternal? 
And there the children will be standing and they'll be all adults at that time. They'll be, and, and they'll be, yeah, Dad, why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you tell me that it was going to be a hell to shine and a heaven to gain? Why didn't you tell me about this light? Why didn't you tell me about the Lord Jesus? Why did you avoid taking me to Sunday school? Why didn't you take me to youth meetings or in town? Remember 40 years ago, <laughs> we went to the hall the other day when they had a wine and when we had the wedding on here and they did the old games in the big hall there same place we did 40 years ago in the Murray High School auditorium and remember when we almost had to say don't come we've got too many we can't handle you in fact we were speaking about the ratio of Christian and non-Christian or from Christian families and non-Christian families and it was getting to the point you know they, they, could, they could take control and be, become a bit of a riot I remember one bus driver taking the kids home from, <laughs> from Awana once and they pulled up near Mrs Young's place and they opened the door for one to get and a whole lot got out. And here's all these kids and he's running around trying to capture the kids back into the bus. <laughs> but not today. You could take a bus around and be empty because they've got all these attractions in the world and instead of coming to club, they go to all these entertainments. It's not getting them to heaven. It's not warning them. And it comes back onto the fathers and under shepherds that they are responsible to get your children there to hear the word of the Lord. I'm glad that my parents did that. We didn't go to church all the time, but we went to certain anniversaries and things of church. We had meetings in our home on Saturdays. We're not STAs. We had meetings, we had meetings in the home because that was the day to get visiting preachers that were in town or in Melbourne and take them up to the farm and they could preach on Saturday night we had meetings and sing around the piano and things like that it wasn't the ideal it wasn't a church organised pastor, elder, bishop whatever, deacons that's all as you read through the New Testament the way it runs have we taught them about salvation you see those three points there have we enlightened them to salvation Timothy it is said of Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5 and 3.15, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. You see, from a child, and it was mother and grandmother, uh, Lois and Eunice, wasn't it, that had taught Timothy the truths and light of the word of God. And he come to a point he understood. It fell into place. Jesus said in Matthew 18.3, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of God. They need to be saved. Galatians 3.26, Ye are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Matthew 18.6, And then we mentioned it earlier, But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones who, who believes in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck, and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Salvation is important. Enlighten them early. You know, <laughs> wouldn't it be good as fathers and grandfathers to be able to get the children and convert them? But we can't do that. We can lead them to the water and say, here's the drink. Drink of salvation. God has to save their souls by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's scriptural. That's what it says in the Bible. He draws them to himself. Do we know which one's going to get saved and which one rebel? No. So our business is to let all of them know and to lead them. And as it's been said, that it's amazing how many elected people are in a town 
where there's a gospel preaching church and how, how in a non-gospel preaching place there is less elect. Does that add up? I'm not being facetious, but it, you think of it. Because the light was given, the light has shone, and in families. You know, Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Except the Lord build a house, they labour in vain that build it. God has to do that work in their lives. But we certainly should be sharing the good news. As I've said before, for a child to be born and not to be born again is absolutely tragic. I imagine it on the judgment seat of Christ for Christians, being there and not seeing the ones that should be there. I imagine at the great white throne judgment for unsaved people, people that are there that could have been saved, that are your children. Can you, can you picture yourself being there? I don't know if we'll be able to see and look in on it and seeing your child brought up before the mighty God of the universe and giving account of their life. Will they be able to say, my parents, my dad didn't, show me and you're over there in the save camp part of the church and you hang your head in shame because I should have spent more time I should have, I should have, I should you know you could be regretful then couldn't you we lead them to salvation we lead them to sanctification Isaiah 28 9 to 13 reads precept upon precept lion upon line, here a little, there a little. What, are, what is it? Slowly, as they do in kindergarten, as they do in primary school, letter by letter, word by word, they build up, and in spiritual matters, we do the same. First Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, sanctification comes through, through growth, does it not? It's Second Peter three eighteen. but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Pastor McConnell read that portion this morning from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 10 there, we can become partakers of the divine nature. Our children, if they're saved and are becoming sanctified, are becoming, as it were, more partakers of the divine natures than they were before. They grow in their understanding of God and their knowledge of God, and they become more expressive of that in their life and in their belief and in their practices. You know... <clears throat> We didn't, we didn't have to teach our children not to drink grog, alcohol, and get drunk. That, it was never there. It, was, it wasn't a problem. <laughs> you know, we, we teach them to grow in the Lord so much that that thing is not a problem. As far as I know, they've never smoked or been tempted to. <laughs> never gone as a chimney. If I, doesn't say... <laughs> Someone said, if God wanted us to smoke it, it would have chimney in our head. But anyway, <laughs> that, that's not a problem with the, the children. I remember, I remember exactly where it happened. Down in the paddock on the slip, the second slip, where the land slid in. And um, there's pine trees there. And sisters and that were getting together and they got these old pine needles and got a bit of paper and rolled it up in that. Because we'd seen Uncle... I won't say that. Um, we'd seen an uncle roll his own. And we, we were little kids and thought, we can roll our own. So we'd rolled pine needles into a bit of paper and lit them up. 
It wasn't. It sort of, I mean, anyway. <laughs> we didn't have to teach the children not to do that because it wasn't even in their thinking. But if we let our children out into the world, ah, <clears throat> that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Sanctification is to be taught to the children. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, Ephesians 4 and 15. And service. A father will enlighten his family to salvation, sanctification and service. Children that don't learn to serve others learn to serve themselves and we've got a whole country and a world full of people like that. They learn to serve themselves, become selfish, self-centered and self-absorbed. And they demand that you give me. <laughs> they demand that the government or the people and um, <clears throat> elder abuse. That is a result of selfish thinking people. They abuse their parents and take everything off them and I'll suck the last cent out of them. These elder abusers. I was yeah, come to enlighten that in a paper. I was sitting in hospital there recovering from something and and this lady gave me this paper and the elder abuse, oh, what's this about? Read it up and I thought, yeah, I see people doing that. I see Christians doing that. And it's not right. They've not learned to serve and so they, they, they then become selfish. You know, this is what the Bible says, Ephesians 3.16, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, and the joints of the church are the people in the church. And that is serving within the church. We're compacted together by that. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Christ is putting us his church together all around the world in different places. Ephesians 4.8, he gave gifts unto men, and then he ascended up on high. He gave gifts. What for? For serving him. 1 Corinthians 12, the whole chapter is given to setting the members in the body, some as he hath pleased. And, you know, this, this church needs these people, so he sends them there and, and so forth. And he, God sets the members. What for? To serve. We ought to teach our children to serve. The, the, the best thing we can do is teach our children to serve in Christian circles, not serving themselves. Why is there a shortage of preachers and people to fill pulpits and people to fill Sunday school classes? Because we haven't taught them to serve. And that by setting the example ourselves. God sets the members, yes. You ought to be teachers, but you have need that one teacher, it tells us in Hebrews. It tells us in Hebrews 5 and verse, or it might be 6 and verse 14, by reason of use have their senses exercised. <laughs> Practice makes perfect, in other words. By reason of use, our children can learn to serve God. Hey, in eternity, you know what we'll be doing? Serving Him. Get used of it. <laughs> get used of it down here. Serve the Lord. We've got tracks to get out. People need to hear the message. Serve Him. It takes, a, it takes very little to put 100 tracks into 100 letterboxes. Probably half an hour you could do it if you run a little bit. Good for your health, isn't it, Brother Sakari? Yeah. <laughs> it's good for your health. You can walk, walk a little. He, he said, I don't want to do 100, I want to do 300. Multiplied by whatever, 5, 1,500. Must be that postal blood in you. <laughs> in charge of the post office around here. <laughs> <laughs> likes delivering <laughs> but we can teach them to serve 
go with them. Uh, uh, you know, you never know who might be out there that God's getting ready now for that track to be put in their letterbox. And, you know, it could be put in there, and that could be the thing that makes a penny drop. Now I know how to be saved. And these tracks are not only just, a, it's, yes, about salvation, but it leads to that point. It's about the system of the, the Catholic system falling apart. It's, it's about prophetical things, what's happening in the world, and what's going on here. And people asking that question, we'll put a tract in there, and, and that salvation will be in the tracks. And, and that's what the purpose is, to get these out. I know last time we did a lot of tract distribution. You know who was in town at the time? Can I give you one guess? Who was in town in our church when we started doing some tract distribution? He's not here. He's in another country. He's a missionary. He's our missionary. Andrew. <laughs> He's very keen about getting those tracts out, isn't he? <laughs> and just, he bought that printing press over in Israel six months ago and yet he's printed a hundred thousand tracks on it and he's got them out with his boys delivering one at a time into Israeli letterboxes isn't that put us to shame oh yeah okay he's a missionary supported and full-time supported but we have the opportunity to teach our children to serve you know, we, we've got to finish we're way over time probably I haven't looked at my clock <laughs> um, <clears throat> minister to others this is important very important that we teach our children as under shepherds we are with the responsibility to teach them to serve I, I love working I'd rather be working than sitting in an office I just the sun shining I need to be out there doing it <laughs> that's the way it was and in spiritual sense we need to put our hand to the plough we need to as God has said occupy till I come Keep busy doing his work. Pastor McConnell's retired. But has he retired? No. He's preaching all over the country. Where were you last week? Fentragulli. Where were you the week before? Here and then Southern. So you see, a servant of the Lord doesn't retire. He keeps. <laughs> I better watch what I say. I might have to. I might have to live it one day soon. <laughs> but keeps serving. Isn't that true, Pastor Morgan? Keep serving and teach our children to do that. And the world will be a different place. You know, every year, at this time of the year, we have our AGM. And it goes through the old roll book, the church roll book. And we're up to 300 and something people that have been members in the church through time. If all of those people had stayed in Albury, hadn't moved out and married and moved and whatever moved for business and work and uni and that this place would be big <laughs> but we do still have the influence to where they've gone and are ministering and pastors gone from people gone from here become pastors and ministering it's a blessing that they've learned to serve the children in the faith let's pray we've covered only two of whatever points we have down there in the bulletin that we become under shepherds ministering as God wants us to do, setting a great and a godly example to our children. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation we can offer from your hand to our children and grandchildren. Thank you for the sanctification, too. They can walk in the way of God and grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. Thank you for the service that you give for us to do with our hands.
You give us abilities. You give us talents. You give us your word that we can take it out and share. Lord, thank you for the gifted people in the church that do the work of the Lord in the church and, and united together as a body, compacted by that which each one does. And we could minister for your glory. Add to our number, Lord, that we might reach out to more people and bless as we distribute some more tracts into the community. Thank you for the opportunity. Let us labour till he comes. And we look forward to that in Jesus' name. Amen.